Welcome back, everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy. I'm Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified emotionally focused therapist and supervisor with a practice here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm really excited today because we have two very special guests. The first one is Owen Marcus. He is the founder and creator of a fantastic organization for men. It's called Everyman. And we're going to hear more about his history. And we also have George Fowler. Now, if you're a therapist, you're familiar with George. He's been on my show before, and he has a lot of expertise in emotionally focused therapy because he's an EFT trainer, and he's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's in New York. And he's a former uh, New York firefighter. So, you know, both of them have a lot of experience, and we're going to talk today about men and emotions, and, and this video is for you guys out there. So, Owen, I'd like to come to you first and just have you sort of introduce yourself again and, and maybe just talk a little bit more about your history and how you got um, into working with men and men's groups. Thank you. Yeah, I got into it in some ways about 40 years ago. I um, got out of college and was traveling, ended up in Boulder and and got into holistic health and uh, became a certified rolfer back in uh, the mid, well, actually 1980, I finally finished that, moved to Phoenix, and ended up starting a holistic medical clinic. And in the course of doing that, I was working on a lot of my own stuff, which turned out to be, you know, having dyslexia and Asperger's. And I turned a lot of that around, but I realized I still was struggling with re my relationships, particularly my relationships with women, and thought that maybe if I did something with men, I'd get some traction there. And I had some resistance, so that was a sign that maybe I should do something. I got involved with my first uh, men's group back in the early 90s when I had the clinic in Scottsdale and did my first group there in that clinic and went on uh, to really start to change the model of what a men's group would be. And I started bringing in a lot of the stuff I learned starting back in the early or mid 70s and into the 80s and some of the 90s using physiology and in the, the somatic aspect of a emotional therapy to work with men. And I found it very effective with my private clients and I adapted it to these groups. And I was amazed at how it took off. And I started finding that my ability to connect to people through learning how to do with men really improved my relationships with women. And since then, we just keep seeing more and more men seceding in that context. And how did you start the Everyman organization? Well, I didn't. So I'm a co-founder. We, we have a couple other founders. And we just all got together. And it really was, in many ways, out of what I've been doing with my current men's group in Idaho. And we took what we've been developing for now, it's been 16 years, and up-leveled it and expanded it to create uh, Everyman, which is really a, a new platform for men uh, around how to take or how to use their emotions in a way that's effective in all their relationships. Just so important, you know, to not only myself as a woman, but as a therapist, because working with men around emotions and being in relationships with men, having brothers and, you know, a father who also didn't do emotions very much, you know, it's, it's, you know, been an interesting journey to try to, you know, get into their hearts, to get into, what's really going on with them. And so I think it's fabulous that you guys have gotten together, that you've created this organization specifically around working with men and emotions. And, and I have one question for you from what you mentioned. Can I ask, what's a rolfer? <laughs> a rolfer um, is a kind of body therapy. It was actually developed by Dr. Rolf. She had a PhD in chemistry. She had a, a son that no one could help. And she ended up helping him. And, and the short story is she ended up developing this profession back in the 60s. And she really was one of the people that took off when she was in Esalen. And from there, it became a, a unique profession where we're working with the connective tissue, particularly the fascia of the body. And fascia is the organ of stress. So as we store stress, be it from a physical trauma or the emotional stress or trauma of life, it gets stored in the fascia. And when I went through that process, uh, what, in the mid-70s, it completely transformed my body, but transformed me emotionally. And for the first time in my life, I learned how to be relaxed. And after that, I said, I got to do that. 
And that was really my inroad into studying a lot of the uh, somatic psychotherapy. And I was one of Ron Kurtz's first students and then Peter Levine's first students. And so what Peter taught me about the physiology of stress has really been the foundation for everything I've done since then. Right. And how stress lives in the body and, and the body, you know, so aware of your emotions and your emotional state. And that's why, you know, understanding emotions is so important. And, and that mind-body connection is, is so good, too. Oftentimes when I'm working with men, they can't quite understand, why, are, why do you ask about my body? Like, what does the tightness in my shoulders have to do with anything? <laughs> so I love that you have such a tremendous platform and foundation in that. And, you know, it sounds like you do really amazing things. And... You know, so let's switch to George. So, George, I don't want to leave you hanging out here. You know, you used to be a New York City firefighter. That's pretty spectacular. And if I'm right, you were a firefighter when 9-11 happened. Do I have that correct? You do. You have it correct. My now training went way earlier than that, though. Yeah. I could think back to five years old when my ice cream fell on the floor and I started to cry. My dad turned around and said, you better stop. I'll give you something to cry about. So, you know, it was a lot of training goes into this ability to kind of turn off feelings. And, you know, whenever we're having these conversations, I always just want to provide that balance that says, this is really a good thing as much as it's also a problem. We need to see both sides of it. We wouldn't be here as a species if I wouldn't run towards fires if I didn't learn to turn off emotions and focus on the task at hand. And so, yeah, that's that's a lot of my background is working with men who, for good reasons, been trained not to. But 9-11 was a perfect example for me to recognize that all this training that I got to turn off my feelings and no training to turn them back on was rapidly leading me towards a divorce. Right. I mean, there was something wrong with following the rules when these rules don't include any way of emotionally letting your partner into really deeper, you know, places of fear and vulnerability, which are an inevitable part of the human existence. Wow. So you were struggling in your own marriage around 9-11. And, you know, I love how you said that you had a lot of training on how to turn off your emotions, but not a lot of training on how to turn them back on. And, you know, the messages you got when you were five years old, you know, which ironically is something similar that I had in my household growing up is you better stop crying or I'll give mm -hmm. you something to cry about. And I realized, you know, becoming a therapist and especially an emotionally focused therapist, I realized kind of the contradicting messages I received as a kid around emotions growing up with a dad who was from Kentucky, who grew up on a farm you know, during the 40s, very hardworking, but very poor family. They didn't have time for emotions, right? And so that was kind of nurtured into my brothers. And so then I have this mom who, you know, on one hand, it's okay to cry, but then dad is like, no, tough it out, you know? And I remember the one moment when I was in fifth grade where I realized it was no longer acceptable to cry in mm -hmm. front of other people. You know, a kid on, we were playing PE and he pushed me down and I scraped my knee and I got up and I started to cry and I looked at everyone and it was like the shame came over me. And at that point I realized I'm too old to cry. It's no longer acceptable, you know? So just interesting as we look over our own histories the, and we start to notice the different messages we received around emotions. There's a sign in every firehouse that says, whatever you see here stays here, right? So there's this, all this training because you don't want to overwhelm your loved ones with images and things that you've seen in stressful situations. But that, that boundary is so rigid that when something like an event, like certainly like 9-11 happens, there's no muscle memory to know how to share. So here I am stressed out going to work. My wife is stressed out, but neither one of us have a way of talking about it, which we know will lead to distance. There's nothing, most couples fall out, it, believe they get divorced because they fall out of love. What actually happens is just the distance in their relationship gets too great. And then when the distance gets too great, you gotta lean on your defenses and those defenses take over. You're right. When, when those defenses happen, when the distance gets too great, I often tell couples that their love falls in that cavern of distance. 
and it just sort of falls in there. And so we have to bridge that gap. And, you know, it sounds like that's what you did in your marriage, George, back, you know, during 9-11 when you were struggling. And I'm curious, how does one go from becoming a New York City fireman to a marriage and family therapist? I'll have to come back at another day at a different <laughs> podcast to tell that story. It's too long of a story. Is there an, a, an eclipsed version as to what made you You can need? read my book, Sacred Stress, and it'll, you'll give my account on how I got from this. Right. I look back now and laugh to think, you know, God has a funny sense of humor. But somehow <laughs> I'm traveling the world trying to help men talk about feelings. I mean, that would be about the last thing I would ever thought was, was, was in the cards for me. Yeah. That's so interesting. So your book, Sacred Stress. So guys, if you want to hear George's journey with how he made that switch, check out his book, Sacred Stress, which of course is available on Amazon. So Owen and George, both of you um, work with men. You've had a lot of experience. Can you sort of talk about, um, you know, how it became so you know, is this like a cultural thing? Is this a, you know, old fashioned traditional gender role thing that hasn't gone away? What, what would you guys say from your experience makes it so hard for men to even admit that they have emotions other than anger, which a lot of times they don't even admit to, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, can you share some of your expertise on that? Uh, I, you know, I, one of the things I see is that, um, I tell this to guys that just sort of down escalate that whole tension around emotions is that um, really ever since the industrial revolution, you know, men have left the home to go to work. And so women had to step up and raise the boys and maybe the men to, and to be emotional. So we've learned for at least a couple hundred years, how to be emotional in a more feminine way, which is not again, a bad way. It's just that we haven't had a model of how to be emotional. Like, like you two were saying, you know, and, and I got it too. It's, you know, once I started getting older, like that movie, that, that the mask that we wear, that, yeah, that you live in, uh, talks about how boys are indoctrinated not to feel. And we don't, okay, so we don't, we're told not to feel, but we don't know how to feel and how to express. And when we think about it, or when we think about how we're trained, it's all, often by women. So we don't have a model of how to be emotional in a powerful way, how to be authentic or how to be vulnerable that, that works for men and that men can actually feel proud to feel and to express. You know, oh, and that's so important that you say that because I have a lot of male clients that have a lot of female friends and they can go to their female friends to get, mm -hmm. you know, validation, to get emotional support. But the thing that I hear most often from them is that the, they really long to get it from their male friends, right? At some point it's just like, Oh, that's just the girls, you know, they kind of expect that nurturing from them. And I've witnessed this also with my own clients where, you know, EFT, we, Sometimes we get to bring couples to do a live demonstration in front of a, a group of therapists that are training. And I've, some of my couples have come and some of the trainers, the male trainers will say things to the male client that I have verbatim said to them in the therapy room. But there's something about hearing it from a man that feels so different and just it lands so much differently for them. So really resonate, you know, with what you said. I think that's so important that really a place where men need to be able to get it from each other and without having that roadmap, you know, I think we've kind of done a tremendous disservice to our men in our culture and we've left them kind of without, you know, a way to cope, a way to express themselves in a way that doesn't feel socially unacceptable. Right. And that, that puts them in a really hard spot. Well, it's worse than that. And, not only have they not, I love how Owen says that they have, we don't have a clear model. And then we're blamed because we don't have a clear model. I mean, that's pretty unfair if you think about it. So for me, it's all about reps and helping men to see they have good reasons why they don't want to do it. If every time you try to have an emotional conversation, the numbers don't add up, you feel worse afterwards, your partner, it actively trains you not to want to do that. But to keep out the bad, they also don't realize the cost is to keep out the good. 
you know, what I want to help men recognize is as hard as they work not to do emotions, they're actually pretty good at it. If you look at all their moves that they're doing, like in session, they're all based on emotions, right? They're making a joke. They're looking away. They're checking their watch. Why are they doing all these things? Because they're really aware that something could happen at any moment that could change the temperature, the emotional temperature in the room. So that's, even if they're not aware of it, they're really good at emotions. So once you start helping men recognize, even without a model and for being blamed for not doing emotions, they're still really good at it. And when they start to kind of feel that about themselves, they can really accelerate their, their awareness around emotions. Yeah, so you're talking about how emotion motivates behavior, which we know from attachment science. And so even without realizing, and it is one of my favorite things that I like to tell men, surprise, you're actually doing emotion. <laughs> you know, when they do, they look away or, or they say, I'm not emotional, but they have anger issues. You know, they have a lot of rage. And I say, newsflash, rage is an emotion. You actually are quite emotional. I but love that. So capture, that, capture that moment, Annabelle, right? When you ask your male client, wow, you're better at this than you think. And you see them look up because what are they <laughs> trying to do with the emotion? They're trying to regulate that emotion. They're trying to make sense of it, right? That is emotional good job. Right, but we, most people see that as them avoiding emotion, leaving their emotion, going to their head, and it reinforces then the message that you're not good at, at emotions. Right, and I think what George is saying is right on, you know, because I've heard him say this before, that you, you meet these guys where they're at. And, and one of the things that we do, and you, Annabelle, you sort of mentioned it earlier on, we work with the physiology of emotions. Mm. And so you ask a guy, what do you feel? Like, you know, I don't feel anything. You start asking a guy what they feel in their body. Almost any, any guy at some point can start feeling their body. And, and if not, you can point out things they're doing with their body and they won't resist that. And so you get them connected to their body, the physiology of stress or PTSD, and you sort of connect those emotional dots. And then you ask them the emotional question after reinforcing and acknowledging them all along. And then they go, yeah, yeah, I do feel some. And then, you know, and then you, yeah, as you're saying, you start reinforcing it. And what's great about the work that we do in our trainings or on now online or in our groups is guys have a chance to practice all this. They get a chance to see it from other men. And right there, they see a model. They see that it's okay. And, you know, guys are competitive. And what we see in our trainings and in our groups is that a, a guy or two start to take this leap into vulnerability or emotional expression. And then the other guys go, I'm not going to be left behind. I'm going to do that too. And then they, st and they start seeing who could be the most vulnerable. <laughs> and then they get, and one of the reasons they do that, because these guys, when they're just with guys, they start honoring each other for the vulnerability, which is the antithesis of what they get in society. And you're yeah, saying, and I would just said, Annabelle, can I just add to that? The, I, I always want to change the word because I still work. <laughs> so much with military and first responders, please, they don't like that word vulnerability. So I don't use it if they don't like it, right? Let's call it authenticity, being real, being present, whatever words you want to do. A therapist love this word vulnerability, right? But it so often doesn't resonate with a lot of men because we see vulnerability as weakness, as, as something that is going to hurt us. We, you know, so much we're trained to resist that word. And when we're trying to connect those dots, as Owen would say, I love how he's getting people more present with their body, right? But to get them to do that, a lot of times you've got to explain why you're asking that, right? We're going to your body because that's where the emotions usually can express themselves and we don't get a lot of help. Like getting their intellectual buying creates a lot of safety to even get their attention to start shifting inward because so often they're focused externally on how they're supposed to perform and what they're supposed to do. So it's a bizarre question unless you help them understand the benefits of those questions. So George, that was exactly where I was going to go is, you know, I have a lot of men that are really hard to reach. They are tough nuts to crack and they do not like the word vulnerability. They don't even like the word emotion. And, you know, and I do notice a theme that it tends, the harder men to crack seem to be like really, really, um, I'm trying to, how do I say this in a way that doesn't like upset people? <laughs> They're like really outdoorsy. They're hunting and, you know, like really, really strong manly men in the traditional sense. And 
they're like, I don't see why I need to do their marriage is suffering. It's suffocating. Their wife is begging for any kind of emotion. And they're like, Nope, why do I need to do this? I, I don't need to do emotions. You're crazy. Like, and they're super hard to reach. And it's like, is there an entry point, a way in for men like that? What would you say for guys like that, that just totally reject that idea of vulnerability or emotions? Owen, you jumping in? Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I you know I do. Uh, my partner is a, an EFT therapist. Dahlia is, and um, so we teach uh, the Hold Me Tight workshops together. So I get a chance to sort of creep into your field in that sense. Um, but I would say, in general, working with men, just with men, it's easier. And so I agree with what George is saying out there for most guys in a therapy context, I could see how vulnerability would be a real challenge in our context. We get all, we get the full spectrum of guys coming in, but when guys are just there with guys is inevitably one guy will take the risk and say something that's vulnerable. And then once one guy says it, that gets easier for the others and, and that the whole thing opens up. Um, so in a bigger sense, what we lay out is this whole, well, it's really a pretty simple model that if you really want to connect to people and George does a really good job of explaining to guys, you know, why you know, they want to connect to their partners and how to do that. And so these guys often come with an issue, you know, they're motivated because their relationships are struggling and they know that they need to do something. And often their partners are telling them they need to do something. Right. And they, and, and for a lot of guys, it's easier to do it with men than do it with a therapist, particularly a, a woman th that, you know, it's a therapist. So th it's, it's an easier ask for them. They go, all right, I'll go do this men's thing because it, I'm doing it with men. And one of the things that we say to them is, look, yeah, if you really want to connect to your partner, you're going to first connect to yourself. And we're going to help teach you how to connect to yourself. And then that's when we start to lay out this whole model of, the physiology of stress or a physiology or emotions. And we explain to them a little about that physiology so that when they start feeling some physically or emotionally, they know as George was saying, it's a good thing. And they see it in others and they see how these other guys are being reinforced or honored for doing that. And when we, we came up with a really simple formula for guys, cause you know, we can be pretty simple. And it's what we call the rock formula, ROC. So the first one is you slow down and relax, you open up to be vulnerable or authentic or present, you know, to be really connected to yourself. And then from that place, you risk connecting to others and they get that. And these guys start practicing that and just practicing something that simple and getting that positive reinforcement from their partners starts giving them that incentive to keep trying and they keep trying. And particularly if they have the support of other men, their learning curve really shoots up a lot quicker. Yeah, I love that that acronym rock. We do like it simple. And I think it is in a way easy to do with other men. But the challenge for therapists is like, how do you get that? In my experience, most therapists are trying to get these macho men to a place they want them to be and don't meet them where they're at. Right. So it's about they have emotions in that room. How do you help them understand the emotions that are there instead of trying to get them to go too fast into something softer or, or more vulnerable, right? So if this, this guy loves hunting, that's an emotion. Like, what's that about? How do we start helping them recognize there's a lot of emotion that they're doing that they're not putting words to, right? And in that room, when they're resisting your urges to go to these deeper places, they're going to be giving you entry points into their blocks, into their real-time emotional strategies that are stopping them from going where you want them to. How do you help them notice that? Very similar to the rock thing that Owen's talking about, right? That recognition is huge, that they're, they're actually not going to an area that you want them to go for really good reasons, even if they can't articulate it. But if you help them articulate it, they are doing great emotional work. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, George, that, you know, we, and, you, and I can see how you do it. You, it's like, we track these guys. And whenever there's an emotional response, and, and particularly if it's linked into the body, we affirm it, we re reinforce it, which could be their passion about hunting. Yeah, and, and then we, we sort of keep leveraging that 
you know, and enhancing that so that, so that they won't feel safe, but they also start to use what they're comfortable with as a conduit for that connection. And then once we have that sort of pathway going, then we slowly sort of bring in these things that they initially would have been resistant to. Brilliant. I mean, absolutely. They're having success with their feelings. When you have success, you want to do more of it. The reason these men don't want to do it is they're not having enough success. And therapists who are pushing really too fast, too early for good reasons, they're only reinforcing that lack of success. And, and how would you meet the guy where he's at that just says, I don't feel anything in my body. Like I go to my body and I don't feel anything. It's all in his head. You know, like I have, I had a male once who said, you know, when he feels happy on the inside, it's not natural for him to smile like his his father was very stoic and he sees himself as emotional except it's all contained on the inside and he looks like a stone on the outside and his wife is like i can't get a read if but you're that, that like that would be the journey where does he go if he goes to his head let's go to his head what does he do in his head is he trying to kind of put pieces together is he trying to figure things out when he figures it out what does that feel like does he feel clearer does he feel lighter you know, when he can't f- figure it out, what does he feel like? Does he feel like he's kind of, does he's not sure? He kind of feels like he's, it's a lack of clarity. What I'm saying is there's a lot of an emotion there. We just have to meet them in, the, in their head to find the emotions. So often we're trying to pull them out of their head and forcing them into their body when, you know, hey, if, if clarity is what makes me feel safe and cloudiness makes me feel kind of, I don't even know, that's where I need your help. Yeah. And I think I would just emphasize what George is saying there. For these guys, emotional safety is really important. And we don't realize for like a lot of reasons, because, you know, as a culture, as men, we, we think we're so macho, but we really need to feel emotionally safe. And yeah, we work with whatever we can get. And some guys come in very open and other guys, you know, we might judge them as very close, but there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, you know, we just track until we get something, even if it's a little, and then we keep using that to get more and more and more. If, if only at first, just to feel, to have them feel emotionally safe. And what would you guys say? So if there's a guy listening to this and he says, nah, you know, I just still don't bind this idea of emotions or vulnerability. What would you say is the utility of plugging into their emotions and that, that word that they don't like, vulnerability slash authenticity. We, we pathologize emotions and it's sad because what is an emotion? It's just a signal. It's just your body communicating with you. When you see people at injure the emotional parts of their brain, they can't make a choice between do I want strawberry ice cream or do I want chocolate ice cream? I mean, there's, it's so important to have color in your life to kind of just be aware of how these emotions enhance our life and give us more of that vitality. So for somebody that doesn't think they have emotions, I can relate to that. I, I get their worldview. They don't see value in the emotions. So I want to meet them there. But the stretch, right, that Owen keeps talking about, you know, we track and then we use this leverage, these little moments that help them realize they're so much more emotional than they, than they give themselves credit for, right? They're trying to keep out the bad of emotions. When you're keeping out the bad, it's really hard to see the good. And yet that's mm-hmm. also going on all the time for them. One of the things I learned years ago when I was a rolfer and working with people's bodies, which would produce a lot of emotional shifts in their lives, sometimes right on the table, sometimes in between the sessions or after, uh, you know, months after sometimes like it was for me, I started to realize, particularly with guys, if, if I didn't even use the word emotions, I used the word stress. And so that's a very innocuous word. And I've never had a guy resist the word stress. In fact, some guys light up. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of stress. Yeah, you know, I can tell you about my stress. <laughs> and I go, great, tell me about your stress. And, and so we're having the, the same conversation, but rather than using vulnerability or emotions or any of those hot words for men, we're using stress, physiology, and I'm getting to the same place sometimes quicker because we're not, we're not tiptoeing around those words. We're just going to their body, their experience, and, and contextualizing it as a physiological response first rather than an emotional response. 
it's a brilliant reframe, right? Calling it stress because it's safer for them to see that as a problem that they want to solve. It's that shift from really getting them to see the opportunity and buying into your process, right? And if you're pushing too fast, what Owen's brilliantly doing at every man is they are getting that part of, of the men that want to compete, that want to perform because they're not feeling as threatened. And now all of a sudden that, that energy that instead, it's like a great judo move, right? Instead of kind of fighting them, all of a sudden they shift and they're like, wait a second, there's an opportunity to do this differently. And everyone else is taking this opportunity. I don't want to be left out. That same peer pressure that gets them not to do it is now enhancing them to take these risks, which is a brilliant, brilliant design. Yeah, so you're saying stress is a lot more digestible for men. It's not going to scare them, scare them out of the therapy room so much if we, you know, like a lot of therapists just want to go after that word vulnerability, but it's too strong of a word. It doesn't really match and where they're at. And so maybe, you know, you say, well, I'm going to help you with your stress rather than I'm going to help you with your, you know, your emotions or whatever. And in mm -hmm. some of these more, you know, masculine men are going to go, oh, okay, well, tell me about that. And then, yeah, tell them about that physiology. And you, it's like sort of going in that back door. And, and, and so they're more open. And as George was saying, you, for guys, I've noticed if you give them a sort of a global model that allows them to, to have these experiences that we wanted to have, but allows them to frame it in a way that is not the old model or limiting, they will allow their experience. But if they still have that type model that emotions are bad, crying's bad, you know, all the things that we're, you know, George and I talked about that you too suffered growing up, um, you give them a way to contextualize that, that is not only safe, but it's actually something that they want to do. They'll, they'll be much more willing to have those experiences and share them with others. So a great example of that would be, right, example one, I'm the therapist and I just say, can you tell me what you're feeling, right? I'm already not seeing any opportunity in that. I'm threatened by that and my defenses kick in. But what Owen is doing is saying, hey, you know, what I'm really trying to do is help you get better at stress. And now I'm going to give you this explanation on how this would be helpful, and now you got my interest and I said to you, Owen, yeah, actually, I, I, I want to do that, right? And then all, all Owen has to do is say, all right, can you tell me an example of when you're stressed? Now we're up and running, right? Now it's like, it will actually last. Can you see the difference? My body's leaping at the opportunity because I'm already bought in. I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to help me. Now, all of a sudden, you're giving me a, a real live example and here's the emotions are going to come. Right, because last night it was pretty stressful when my wife was annoyed at me and I didn't understand what, what I did wrong. So when she said, you never taught, now the whole session is alive. I got triggers I can actually work with and I got this person's buy-in to actually go down that road. I definitely see that. It does remind me of so many, so many of my male clients, you know, get very confused, but very stressed when their partner starts harping at them like, you know, you got the wrong dog food or you bought... <laughs> $4 worth of, you know, you spent $4 on bread, you know, they're like, why are these things big deals? Why are we fighting about this? I just don't get it. And it's also, you know, seems to be really groundbreaking, you know, when we get deeper into our work, you know, a lot of men assume that because they have a human experience that is outside of their love relationship, like, you know, whatever they go through at work, they kind of think, well, what does that have to do with my relationship? I don't need to really share it. And to hear that their partner actually feels loved just by sharing something so small, seemingly small to them, but it's pretty big to their partner, you know, it seems to like, whoa, really? Really? You mean I can feed my relationship by sharing about my day at work? Really? It's, it's so counterintuitive. Like I woke up this morning and I cleaned up the kitchen. I emptied the dishwasher, all things I'm trying to do nice. I make myself a shake. My wife's not up, Right. And I know she don't like when I drink out of the shake directly out of right? She likes I pour it in a cup, but she's not around. And why am I going to wash two cups? I'm just going to have a – of course, she walks in precisely at that moment when I'm taking a sip. And she don't comment on any of the stuff that I did nice or anything else. Just what the heck's the point of me talking about that? 
I don't see the opportunity because if we're going to talk, it's only going to lead to a fight. So I'll just like, yeah, whatever. And I'll walk away. But again, what Owen's doing is so nice. If you get me to see that, give that example, that stressful example, I want to actually learn how to do it differently. Right now, we can start exploring that moment. What is it like when I'm taking a sip and my wife says, why are you drinking out of that? There is a physiological response. I just don't see the value in sharing it or even going to it myself. I often described it as the alarm bells that go off, like a silent alarm on the inside that says, uh-oh, you're busted, you're in trouble. <laughs> right. But if uh, I'm going to miss the alarm bells, now I'm already starting to kind of give you a lot to work with. I'm not sure I want to do that either. Right. And one of the things, yeah, I can relate to what George was saying because I do the same thing and I get, I get in trouble for doing the same thing. <laughs> um, one of the things I've seen um, with our guys is that you know, we're training them to read their own bodies, but inevitably they get better at reading their partner's bodies. And so that down escalates or, you know, their whole cycle or their stress response. And they, and they can pick up cues quicker and easier and, and not just go to the, you know, the reaction of the emotions. And, and they feel like they have some agency. They're not just at the effect of what their partners are saying. They get to see and, and sort of vicariously feel what their partners are feeling through reading some of these subtle nonverbal cues that they were completely consciously unaware of, but unconsciously reacting to. Can you guys talk about, so those men that really sort of in this place were like, I don't feel anything in my body. And they probably do. Like you said, Owen, it's just sort of subconscious. They've never really paid attention to it. But what would you say is a path for men to start noticing and paying attention to their body that that there are actually having things that 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 indigestion that indigestion they get after being yelled at isn't coincidental, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for well, me, I think we start with just the model, the frame, and you know, in our trainings or whatever, we we do some somatic meditation or mindfulness. We we start to develop those neural pathways for them to be connected, but they don't even need to do that. They you know, we just say, look, you know, start tracking your body. Like you're a hunter, you track animals. I mean, you, you, you're very observant out in the woods. So take that kind of skill set and I use whatever domain that they have mastery in and I translate it into how to, how to track themselves and how to be aware of themselves. And look, separate that experience so you're not judging yourself, which means you're, not gonna, you're gonna be a lot less likely to judge your partner, but start with your own experience because our focus is, you know, let's get you present to your own experience to accept it, not judge it, but just experience it. And the core of our work is the change comes from experience. So the more you can experience or accept, the more you're going to downregulate your stress and that way be more open to be in connection with your partner. Yeah, that critical shift from focusing on performance and external to, to view of self. And I so appreciate what you're saying because too often therapists ask vague comments like where you're feeling it in your body and they have no connection. It's too radical of a shift. I'm focusing on my performance. Now you want me to go internal. Right? But it's a lot easier when you explain to them, hey, anytime there's a, there's a physiological response, your body's going to speak from somewhere. It might be pressure on your shoulders. It might be something in your stomach. It might be closure. Like you point out different spots where people hold it. And then when it happens in room, you say, hey, even right now, as she makes that comment, I see you look down. Do you notice anything? Maybe some of that heaviness on your shoulders. They get a lot better chance as you're building their capacity. A therapist needs to ask about where they feel it in their body every session, not just in moments where the therapist is feeling stuck and is hoping to get a little bit more. We have training them brilliantly what they're doing in every man is they are training men to see the value of doing it every single day for themselves you got to increase their capacity don't get discouraged because you ask them once what do they feel in their body and they say they don't know that means you're doing great work you got them paying attention to something they normally don't keep it up because they will get better and better with practice that's the reps yeah and oftentimes because they don't know because they're not used to paying attention there are signs that are there that they're feeling something, but it easily gets dismissed as, oh, you know, that's just 
you know, maybe I, I had a, a bad chow for lunch or something, you know, they're not like really tuned into, yeah, you're actually having a physiological response to this. You're, you got that tightness in your shoulders, something's happening in your body, or you're getting the headaches because the wheels are spinning so much all the time. I always and, love that in session, Annabelle, when you got a, 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 a male crying for the first time and you try to bring attention. I say, notice those tears. What do they say? Oh, I just have allergies, you know, nothing. It's like, you know, how do you hold up the mirror and then really help them have success with that? What they're saying is they're not ready to go to naming those tears. Instead of calling them out, they've been exposed, right? We need to kind of be able to kind of move with them and honor that protection and then come back and come back and come back. There's something, too, that I want to, you know, call attention to. Both of you guys have talked a lot about is, is the need to perform, you know. And, you know, one of the reasons why we all, we know um, as professionals why this kind of falls short is when, when people get stuck just sort of checking a box, right? A lot of them come into therapy, just tell me what I need to do, you know, follow the recipe, give me the ingredients and I'll do it, ding, 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 check the box, done, and everyone should be happy. The problem is, you know, A, that recipe is available in self-help books and podcasts all across the country. And if that was good enough, they wouldn't be in my office if it was just that simple. And a lot of people are really good at, at checking the boxes for a couple times and then it falls short because it's not rooted in something that's authentic to that, something that's authentic on the inside of them. You know, that emotion that's living on the inside of them is going to compel what they do far more than a, a checkoff list. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about EFT and what we do, it's, it's not top down, it's bottom up. And so we get guys in their body, in the moment, in their experience, and we, we get some ground and some foundation there before we start, you know, making it a big intellectual model. And so guys, you know, I tell them, look, if all this was a math problem, we would have solved it a long time ago. And, and so explaining to them that it's, it's not – it's something that it's more than a cognitive process that it involves these skills that they never seen, let alone were taught allows them to relax a little. And then we start, one of the things that we do is, and George was sort of saying this, we, we work with what's in the moment. And anytime we get a little more of a response or reaction, that's more emotional, more vulnerable, more physiological, we keep reinforcing it. But as George said, we don't want to go too far too fast because, you know, they'll, they'll put their blocks up. So we keep reinforcing it slowly and slowly. They start to trust their experience more than their head. And when they, ha when they start trusting their experience, they, they start, as you know better than me, they start trusting their relationship with their partners. And I would add to that, you know, even when you're checking a box, there's a lot of emotion to that. Don't just see that as them being in their head and not doing emotion, right? Because when they check something off the box, that makes them feel a little bit relaxed. And when they can't check it off the box, that makes them feel a little bit more stressed, right? Help them notice the emotions that are there in their head because they're, they're doing a lot more of this than most therapists realize and most of them realize. Like I know when I'm checking a list, you know, I get a physical sense, physiological response when something gets checked off, right? I'm not just doing this intellectually. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I feel proud. I feel like a sense of accomplishment. I feel like something's been taken off my plate. And when I'm not getting a chance to do that, I can feel kind of what that, that lack of, and I like that word stress because it, too often we go to sad or feeling like you're failing or like these big intense words when that's just you know that's that's only going to increase the temperature if i agree with you to those words so i like words that are kind of general enough hard it's challenging I, i'm not really sure there's a ton of emotion in them and, and yeah and i would add to that that yeah and one of the things that i hear george doing is you are chunking it down and 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 so as guys, we interpret a lot of these emotions as a mental thing. And if we slow it down, which is one of the key things that we do, and chunk it down, um, we can still sort of talk about it as an intellectual thing, but they start to have a little more of an emotional experience with it. They just don't think it's all happening up here. 
Right. Which is so important because at the very first onset, a lot of guys do tend to say, I only feel my emotions in the head, in my head, you know, which to someone on the receiving end feels like you're just giving me a socially acceptable response and not something that's genuinely authentic to your experience. And, you know, women aren't, you know, they're not looking for men to cry and be the, you know, big pile of mush all the time. They are looking for something authentic. They want to know that, you know, there's a person on the inside that has feelings that things matter to that they have opinions and thoughts and feel a certain way about things. And they just want to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's good when you're working with a, a gay couple, you're taking away some of this female male dynamics, but you're seeing these same patterns, right? Yeah. How do you, I really, a big takeaway for this podcast for people listening for me is when, when one of your males says, I don't know to what they feel, don't see that as you're failing or they're being resistant or difficult. I want you to celebrate to say when they say they don't know something, you're exactly where you need to be. You are touching a part of them that they haven't really had help putting words to. Right? This is a chance to celebrate, not get frustrated. And yet so often with therapists, we get frustrated. We think they're holding back. They mm -hmm. sense our frustration. They, need, they get more defended and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I have to train myself as a therapist to change, to see the opportunity in them not knowing. Right. And we do the same thing when we train our guys. Um, because as guys, we think we need to know and all that. So we get a quote, a block and it's like, there's something wrong. And I, you know, and I had to treat, uh, train myself and then others to go, that's great because right there, the guy said something and, and he, he spoke what he wanted or maybe what he felt, which is huge, which is huge. That's right. I mean, and so I, you know, I used to think I was screwing up and now I go, wow, maybe in a small way I screwed up because I asked the wrong question. But really, it was a brilliant thing, at least unconsciously, because I got the guy to respond. Because until then, he might have been just sitting there going along, and I don't know what's happening. But by him saying that I Good did stuff. something wrong, he completely changed the dynamic of the interaction. That's yeah. some good stuff there. It is. It is really amazing. And I yeah. hope Owen and I are not making this sound too easy. No. from all these years of mistakes i can't tell me times i've gotten frustrated because i'm not getting anything i push harder so all of these mistakes and struggles that people are having we've had our more than fair share of them right we've learned this the hard way yes yes and and i've certainly been there with the with my clients in the therapy room and and have learned some lessons the hard way and you know, I love what you guys said before. Some men come totally open and some, you know, are a little more stuck in these rigid places and it's harder for them to come out and, and be open about those things. And, you know, what, what you guys saying is really brilliant. A lot of guys don't know. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not something that we need to be afraid of. There's something we can embrace and explore. And so, you know, something I want to say, too, is, you know, along this performance thing is I noticed, too, when men, when guys hear their partner get angry or, or have hurt feelings, they go to this place of, I have failed, I've let them down, I'm the bad guy. And they immediately, of course, want to fix it, right? I'm, I'm going to start explaining to you why I'm not the bad guy, why I didn't fail, you know, and for them, it feels like I've had them explain to me that, you know, you know, saying that their part, you know, admitting that their partner's feelings are hurt or validating the hurt feelings feels like a, an admission of guilt. Kind of like when you get a speeding ticket and the officer makes you sign it and they say, this is not an admission of guilt. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's just validate your, you may not have intended and yeah, you know, we get our feelings hurt all the time. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or a bad guy or a bad partner. You know, we certainly don't go to those places, but, you know. Well, that's the problem when, if I don't let you into my places of struggle, if my body doesn't have muscle memory of what it's like to feel connection in places of insecurity, 
then I'm also set up to not know how to do that for you. So no wonder why I'm going to get defensive. Because if, if I can talk you out of feeling that way, then I don't have to feel so bad. I win on both fronts. But you're right. It just it, it leads to that same feedback loop of you feel more unheard and unseen and, and rejected. And you're going to double down on messages. I'm failing. And, you know, we're in trouble. Yeah, it seldom works where you try to talk to some, like explain to somebody why they shouldn't feel that way. And their reaction is like, thank you. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> if only that was effective. Well, what I love what you just did now is you, you really, you highlighted the, the logical mindset. That's what it's looking for. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't work. But there's really some brilliance behind it that's saying, well, listen, if I could talk you out of it and fix the problem, then this, this erases the whole situation and we're done. We're back in a good spot. And I don't really have another move, right? So they're blamed again for the one move that they have. And the reason they do that is because they care, because they're really right. good people on the inside. You know, they but, don't want their, their partner or their friend to have hurt feelings, to feel disrespected or... You know, that's not what they're going for. So that's why they want to change that experience. What I want everybody to hear, though, is even though they try it because it's their only move, every time it doesn't work, it reinforces that they're going to do it more the next time. Yeah. It's training them not to want to head towards emotion because this is what happens every time. It doesn't work. It makes things worse. And then you think less of me because of it. And then we wonder why they, they get defensive and they don't want to do emotions. Yes. Let's change the numbers here. And, you know, again, we, you know, we're not working with couples, but we work with men and particularly in these groups, that same dynamic shows up as you would expect, it's, but it shows up with a guy. And one of the things I work with these guys on doing is keep taking the guy deeper. So what's, what's your intent behind that? You, you know, and, and so you get the guy to connect to why he cares. So his, his reaction or response might not be what you want, but once you can get him to feel and then speak from that feeling of his intent, which is a desire for a connection, as we know, and acceptance and everything, you know, everything else that we talk about, once he's there uh, in this safe space, everything starts to open up. And we, so what we train our guys to do is keep taking the guy deeper into a deeper experience. And our model is, you know, if we just take him deeper, at some point, he's going to start connecting to the parts that he was disconnected from now i'm going to ask you guys before we wrap up i want to ask you guys to talk about this very important part and this is the myths around vulnerability why is it such a dirty word for men and is vulnerability really weakness or is it something else what would you guys say you know i think vulnerability is about as brave and courageous as you can be, right? If you don't like the word, I'm not going to use the word, but what does the word really mean? You're willing to share parts of yourself that typically people put masks on and hide, right? Then we know the cost of hiding parts of ourselves is less vitality. So if we're safe enough to have people that are safe to respond to us, then we'd be nuts not to take advantage of that. Right? There are billions of men out there not taking advantage because they've been given a rule book that needs just some adjustments. And what we're saying is not going to make them less manly. It actually makes them more manly. They just have more flexibility around when and how and why they're going to do these things. So I get the reluctance. I, I would recommend people shift the word. I throw the word at vulnerability out there. If they bite and like it, some men love it. They're like, yeah, I want to be, you know, other men are like, whoa, not me, right? I'm not going to get too invested in the word, but what the word represents, which is going to these deeper places, I feel like I want to fight for men to kind of help them to see the value and how this can transform their lives. And it is a huge act of courage, as Brene Brown says, to be vulnerable and not just telling guys that, but the, the advantage we have working with guys is they get to see it in other guys. They get to feel what happens when some guy's vulnerable and how courageous it is and how naturally every guy honors that man for his vulnerability and his courage. And they, they get to 
practice vulnerability and the courageousness of vulnerability with men. And then it, because as George was saying, it starts to create these neural, new neural pathways. It just generally generalizes into their other relationships because some part of it starts to go, oh, I'm at this place. It's scary. And I can run or I could just stay here, which is to be vulnerable first to my own experience. And then from there, invite my partner in. But they, they had an opportunity to practice in another setting. And what would you guys say for men who are, who are out there that want to be vulnerable with other men? They want to be able to talk about their authentic reality with other guys and get that support, that peer support. But they kind of have this sense that, no, my guy friends wouldn't be interested or they wouldn't be capable. How do they go about broaching that with their guy friends? Well, I think you can, there's ways you can broach it. But what I've found is, as guys, we like structure. Uh, you know, be it the military or school and, and what we have in our groups and trainings is we create a simple set of agreements. Uh, and, and yeah, not real rich. I mean, like confidentiality and all that's rigid, but in a, in a way that we sort of work within these contexts and guys relax because that creates emotional safety because we get these shared agreements and, and then they can start developing these relationships. So I think women are, you know, I'm speaking in generalities, but having an easier time having these conversations with each other for guys you know, once we leave school, the military, or maybe the firehouse or whatever, and we leave these contexts, it's difficult for guys to have these conversations. Now, what I do find is once they start having them, say, in these groups, they start to develop that skill set. They have more courage and skills to say to their friend in another setting, you know, to, to take that conversation to a deeper level and see if they could really be real. I have a client I'm working with that, you know, he's seeing, a, he's actually, I have him and his wife or seeing an EFT therapist, you know, and they're seeing great benefit from that. But with our work with him, with every man and his uh, EFT therapist, he's now applying what he's learning to his old college friends. And he's telling me the other day that, you know, he really wants that deeper kind of connection. And he finds in the everyman scenario with his college friends, but now he has some skills and language to do it that he didn't have before. And he's finding that these other guys want the same thing, but they just don't know how to do it. If you look at men having conversation, right, it tends to be talking about sports or the weather, you know, we're not having conversations around vulnerability, sex. I mean, I think about growing up, you know, you're either talking about fun things or, you know, you're not getting any feedback. Females don't want to give you feedback, hurt your feelings. Like you're in the dark and then you wonder why you're awkward and you don't want to talk about these things. So how the key is success when they're doing emotions. If you think about moments in your life when you felt the closest and any man could do this as you're listening now, I guarantee what do those moments have in common? There was a realness of being present with each other. You know, that conversation you had with your dad, you know, when your best friend's mother died. You know, these are the moments that we felt the most alive and the most connected, right? But what most of us don't recognize, the cost of all this avoiding emotion, avoiding the possibility of escalation is our longings that want something better really hibernate in that type of environment. So what every man's doing in EFT is we're actually honoring that, the good reasons they do that, but we're creating space for those longings to come out. For a man, every one of us is born wanting this, this degree of connection. And all we got to do is open up the space to allow that to breathe. And then before you know it, these men, like Owen's talking about, they want to apply it in as many areas as possible. Now this is not only with their marriage, but with their kids, with their college roommates. They want to be colleagues and go to work, and they become on fire for this. So how do they do this? Do they just go to their male friends and say, hey, bro, like, I got to talk about something? I mean, is it as simple as that? Do they just take that risk and, and jump with their well, guy? Yeah, they got, obviously they're going to be taking a risk. And, but I think if you frame it as a risk and it's a challenge, guys like challenges. 
That's a uh, subtle shift. Look at how many no, this are... first challenge. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And uh, guys out there who are very sensitive that, you know, those kinds of risks, you know, and, and I find it interesting too, like George says, you know, they'll run into a burning building, no problem, but running into their emotions is terrifying. But what's the difference between the two? They're getting massive amount of training to run into that building and they're getting no training. And what Owen's talking about is training men to see the opportunity in doing this. Yeah. And that's what you guys do at every man, right? You guys have retreats. We have, we, we, we worked, we did have retreats before COVID and we will after COVID, but yeah. And we're going to get George to one of our more advanced ones. Um, but yeah, we have retreats. We do stuff online. And right now we have a lot of, free stuff online. We have a global call that actually George is going to be, he was on, it was our most successful one we had last month. We're going to do another one at the end of June, June 30th for couples. So we're going to do a co-ed call uh, with up to a thousand, maybe even more uh, couples coming on. And you don't have to be a couple to come on, but we're going to spend that whole month working because it's the mental health month around mental health and relationships. And then we're going to top the month off with having George on this call and they can just go to the Everyman site and sign up for that call. And that's a great way in that case for men and women, but every Tuesday we do these global calls that guys can come on, participate at whatever level they want. They're free. And then we have these free drop-in groups and now we're about ready to you know, launch in another couple of days our membership, which will give guys a lot more opportunity to, to develop these skills and get into groups and into these virtual groups that we're going to help them with. And it's, it, as George says, yeah, it's the regular input or support from these groups that really support these men. And what we're seeing is we're getting more and more therapists uh, as a part of our network and therapists sending guys to us and, and the guys going into therapy particularly EFT couples therapy. And here's, here's a little warning though. What happens is often guys are being pushed to do some of this by their partner. Six months later, the, these guys are pushing their partners. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So every, it's everyman.com, but it's E-V-R-Y. Yes. Without the second E in every. And you guys at Everyman really offer these, you know, before COVID, we had, you guys had retreats all over the country, right? That were like weekends out in nature, cabins, you know, sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I wish they made these for chicks. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell hey, you might have to do oh, this. Oh, let's want to get together and do girly things. Well, <laughs> we like to fish and hunt and that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of women do. But I, let me just say that they're not confrontational kinds of trainings. They're very supportive and beautiful environments, great food, and immediately guys start feeling connected uh, mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of these guys never had, but as George was saying, always wanted. And the virtual groups. So you guys have virtual groups now, and, and guys can join these virtual groups and get some fellowship with other guys. It gives them a space to learn how to go deeper. Yeah, and I'm, I was amazed. I'm starting to uh, accept that a guy from literally all over the world can show up to one of these global calls or uh, drop-in groups where we put them into a, a Zoom breakout group with a few guys with no experience, with no one leading these breakout groups, come back 20 or 30 minutes later in tears, sharing with maybe 150 guys how this little experience was a life-changing experience. And I wouldn't have thought that a virtual group with inexperienced guys could be so powerful, but that just shows how desperate and how wanting these guys are for that kind of experience. Yeah. So Owen, can, if guys want to get in touch with you, if they want to look up your organization, if they want to sign up for a retreat or a virtual group, how do they find you? You just go to the uh, homepage and, and it's right on the homepage of the site. They can click on either the global call a little further down on the drop-in groups and anyone's welcome to email me and I'm Owen at uh, everyman.com. Perfect. And George, I know you've got some exciting projects on the horizon. What have you got cooking? 
Speaking of vulnerability, right? I'm trying to train therapists how to become more tactical, what to do moment by moment instead of these grand theories that sound great about attachment. Like, what do I do in a moment when this guy laughs or he says he doesn't, you know, that's where I feel most people need to help. So we're coming up with a new website called successinvulnerability.com, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you want people, you're going to invite people to be vulnerable, they should have success in doing it. Otherwise, you're just reinforcing their defenses, right? So therapists need more help on how to do that. You know, and in the same thing with my podcast, Foreplay Radio, right? I'm really trying to get men to be more present sexually, that it's much more than just the orgasm. Like, how do we get men to just expand themselves, to recognize the emotional, the spiritual? You know, there's so many parts of this that I think are so exciting. And when this, the same men or women, it doesn't make a difference. We have more in common than we have different. But at the end of the day, the more engaged we are, the fuller our lives, you know, and the cost of all this cutting off is it just starts to kind of kill our vitality. So I'm all for whatever it looks like. Just bring it on, baby. I love that. The foreplay radio. And you're right. Men's, you know, we have more in common than we do differently. And men's emotional psyche really does impact their ability to be sexual just as much as it does for women. You know, if yep. they're stressed out, it's hard to want to be sexual. And if you're with someone who's yelling at you all the time, it's hard to turn on those feelings, you know? That's right. That's so right. they don't always give themselves enough credit. So, yeah. I'm so glad that, that you guys are out there and that you have these incredible resources. And I'm going to make sure that I put links to all of your, both of your guys' websites and your resources in the description for this video on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, hopefully you can take a note. Just make sure that you go visit everyman.com, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. Look up Owen and his organization. Sign up for a drop-in group, a virtual group. Attend one of their retreats once we all come back in person from coronavirus. And check out George, George Fowler. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist up in New York. He's got his podcast for play radio, which you can find on iTunes. And if you're a therapist and you're wanting to get tactical in how to curate vulnerability and just help your couples have success, check out his new training, successinvulnerability.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'll make sure that there's links to both of these websites so that you guys can check it out and just click away. So Thank you to both of you for sharing your time and your wisdom and your expertise. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome being here. All right, guys. And thank you so much to our viewers. Make sure that you hit up both Owen and George. Let them know what you think about today's episode. Make sure you get in touch and check out their resources. And as always, make sure that you hit subscribe because more videos are on the way. <laughs>